Man, some of y'all snuck in here after I sat down. But anyway, good to see you this morning. If you got your Bible, turn back with me again to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at the last part of it. And um, am I on? Yeah. All right. And still looking at about spiritual gifts, I want to give y'all a place to where you can go and take a spiritual gift assessment like a survey test. It's one of my favorite ones. I've taken different ones. This is one, though, if we all do, we'll be in the same place. But if you look right here, I told you today you can't ask for specific gifts, but it is perfectly okay. In fact, it's biblical, the Bible says, to earnestly desire the best gifts. And you know, as we look at the book of Corinthians, we're writing to a church that was very blessed. God had gifted them and given them an awesome measure of grace. But they were also a church with a lot of troubles. There was lots of sin in the camp. There was a lot of things going on that Paul was correcting in this letter. And so this letter has a lot of practical theology and things that we can learn about how the church operated. And if you look with me before we get started, we're going to read first what I want to look at in chapter 12, verse 31. Paul gives a list of these in verse 28 of these gifts that have been appointed into the church. And it says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. But then he asked a question, But are all apostles, or all prophets, or all teachers, or all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And then he says something that I want us to focus on. He says, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. How many of you are familiar with chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians? That's the wedding chapter, amen? The love chapter. You may not understand this, but the greatest definition you can find of love, I believe, comes from God's Word in the 13th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. But in context, it was written because of the way people were misusing and misunderstanding their gifts. In the Corinthian church's day, they overemphasized spiritual gifts. They made them too important. And they looked at them as, look at what I have been given. Today in the church, we underemphasize spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, we've pretty much made them of no importance because you very seldom hear it taught or promoted that you should desire the best gifts that God gives when you're saved. So we are guilty of the opposite of the church of Corinth, but it's still we should rightly understand and take advantage of the spiritual gifts, these enablements that God's given us to do if we're going to do ministry effectively. I want you to look at something with me. Turn back to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians before we start looking at this. And I want to read to you what Paul says. You may not understand this, but when he first starts out this letter, he's talking about how God has blessed him. Look what he says in verse 4 of chapter 1. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Every true church my friend, that God has placed, that God is sending people into, that he's saving and building a body and connecting members like we looked at this morning, can say this. 
where he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Every true member that God saves, that he puts in the body, is a gift of his grace and his provision. Look what he says in verse 5. That you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. And you know, isn't it awesome to look around in your church and you see evidence where God is enriching us where God is speaking and he is giving utterance to his word through us. And then look at what he says, that the testimony of Jesus is being confirmed in you. I don't know about you, but nothing excites me more when I see Christ-likeness being molded and formed into the lives of people within the fellowship, that people are becoming more connected, more like Jesus. That's what he's talking about. But then look at what he says. He talks specifically about Spiritual gifts in verse 7, so that you come short in no gift. You see, God doesn't want us to come short in any of the gifts that grace has given us. Amen? And grace has given us much more than a free trip to heaven. Grace has given us the life of God within us. His supernatural presence manifested in us. Paul said, "The Christ in us, the hope of glory. And listen to what he says right there. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ. So as we wait for Jesus, if you go back with me to verse um, 31 in chapter 12, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. But I want you to understand something. If every one of us finds out and is confirmed in us, what gift God gave us, and we begin to exercise that gift and serve in a ministry position, and we are active, just like he said today. There are diversities this morning we looked. Diversities of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences in ministries, but this one Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's God working all in us, the same thing. But guys, listen, if we are practicing our spiritual gift, involved in ministry, and are actively pursuing and doing what God wants us to do. If we don't do it in love, if it's not motivated, if love is not the foundation, because what happens before long, if you begin to grow in spiritual maturity and you begin to excel and you begin to, to, to become more like Jesus, you become to see God use you. There's a temptation for the carnal part of you to begin to forget that God's doing it. Anything that gives me the ability to stand and teach. I had someone tell me a while ago, you did good this morning. And I was quick to say, no, it me, it was Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you what. Anything that we can do that is spiritual, that is able to impact another person, to influence another person's part, to change the way another person thinks, it's not us. It's grace. God gives us the ability, the spiritual enablement to minister to a lost and dying world. We can't save anybody. We can't influence anybody unless God is doing it through us. And the biggest benefit that we have, yes, these spiritual gifts, we should desire the best gifts. But Paul said, I want to give you a better and a more excellent way. Love is the greatest thing we have to offer, guys. And you know what about our church? There's a lot of people might ride by and look at this little church and never give it a second look. But I'm going to tell you what a lot of people tell me about it. Man, when we come there, you feel loved. There's love here. You know why we are seeing guys be able to work and move? 
Because, friends, we're unified. Unity is impossible without love. Love produces unity. Unity is a result of love. And Paul said right here, you can have all the gifts that the Holy Spirit has to offer. But if you have not love, you don't have anything. Look at what he says in verse 1 of chapter 3. Paul said, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. Paul said, if I speak with tongues of men and angels. He's talking about having the gift of speaking true, genuine the tongues gift. And look at what he says. But I have, he said, if I have not love, I've become nothing but sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. I wish we had real cymbals because I just start beating on for about five minutes. And y'all tell me to quit. There ain't nothing worse than somebody up here talking, not with any love of God, no spirit of God, about God, when there ain't no God in him. Amen. See, if you don't have God in you, if you don't have Jesus and the love of Christ, it's the foundation. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how much wisdom you think you got. Because even if you speak with the tongues of angels, Paul said, you're nothing but clanging brass and tinkling sin. Listen to what else he said. Look at verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, all of that is the spiritual gifts that he lists. He said, if I have all of that, so that I can remove a mountain. But I have not love. Paul said, I'm nothing. Guys, listen, as long as we got love, we've got the the greatest thing that we can have. And listen to what he goes on and says in verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, you can have the gift of giving. You can be the most generous Christian in this church. But friends, listen, if you don't have love, look at what he says. He said, you can be sacrificial to have your body burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Friends, listen, the greatest thing that we have is love. And friends, listen to what he says about love. Paul is speaking directly here to people who are wrongly understanding spiritual gifts. Now remember, they're making the mistake to overemphasize them. They're giving them higher importance than they really are. And what had happened, they'd gotten puffed up saying, look at me. But guys, today, don't ever forget that it's just as bad to underemphasize, to not make them important. But listen what he says. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Why do you think he's saying that? <laughs> because someone was saying, look at me, boy, I can preach. Look at me, I can teach. Look at me, what position I have. I'm in charge. I have control. I'm the organizer. Friends, listen. The flesh loves recognition. The flesh loves to flatter itself. And the opposite of love is to make everything good for you. You know what can happen in the church? You begin to use what God gave you and what God's done to you for your advantage or to bring recognition to yourself when all the gifts are given for the benefit of the whole. The gift is not to draw attention to us. The gift is not to benefit me because love suffers. <laughs> if you really sell out to your gift and you really use the gift the way God gave it to you, sometimes you're going to suffer. Sometimes you're not going to get attention. Jesus is going to get it. You know, I believe the people that's going to probably get the greatest honor in heaven 
are the ones who got the least honor here. We look at Billy Grahams and we look at people like David Jeremiah or pastors that we may know and love and think, boy, he's got so many rewards waiting. But God gave them that gift to do what they did. The most they can say they did was that they trusted God and obeyed and allowed his spiritual gift to work through their life. The same thing that the little lady that taught Sunday school for 50 years that no one ever heard of, Miss Betty, or played the organ for how many years, but not anybody knew about, will get the same rewards, if not more. Guys, listen, the, I believe the people that we never heard of that didn't get any recognition during this lifetime, but did it because they loved Jesus and they loved people and they did it on a foundation of Christ, they're going to get the greatest rewards you can ever imagine. Some of the people up there with the biggest rewards is going to blow us away. And some of the people we're going to be looking for, bud, where's he at? I know he must have a big one. He's going to be way down there serving tables. Because <laughs> he got all his reward now. Friends, listen, the gifts are all useful when they are used in love. Listen to what he goes on and says. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It is not provoked, it thinks no evil, it does not rejoice in sin, iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Listen to what he says, love never fails. He's reminding them, you got all these gifts, God gave you all of this. You're superly blessed, God has graced you, but guess what? If y'all don't operate in love, and what were they doing? They were going to the Lord's Supper. And they were all eating and letting other people go without. They were misrepresenting Christ even at the Lord's Supper. So Paul is getting on to them right here. He's speaking to them that you need love. Listen when he goes on and says to them. He says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, that's the gift of preaching, they will fail. Where there are tongues, that was the sought after gift. Everyone was like speaking in tongues and misrepresenting. The whole chapter in chapter 14 is correcting them on their misuse and misrepresentation of the gift of tongues. And he's telling them, that's all going to fade away. Whether there is knowledge, knowledge, the gift of knowledge to understand the Bible and know everything, he said, it will vanish. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Guys, the best any of us do. On the best day that me and Miss Linda or me and um, Brother um, Bud or Richard or Dickie or anybody who stands in front of y'all to teach God's Word on a Sunday morning, the best we do on our greatest study efforts is that we teach in part. Because ain't none of us got full understanding of this holy book. <laughs> ain't none of us can figure this out. But guys, there's coming a day where we will know it all. But until then, look at what he says. He says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will fail. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For listen to what he says. We know in part and we prophesy, we preach in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be bound away with. So guys, let me tell you what he's telling us. Paul's letting them know that which is perfect has not come. <laughs> I don't care how many gifts. God can give you the greatest gifts that the Spirit can give you. He can give you a triple dose, three of them, amen? And I believe some people have multiple gifts. I'm sure they do. But guys, listen to this. No matter what gifts he gives you, you're always going to be operating in part, incomplete. 
And you know the greatest need we have is not for these gifts as valuable as they are, but for us to have the love that God uses and works them through. Listen to what it says right here. It says, love never fails. Look at verse, nine, verse 10. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Look what Paul says. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Friends, I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed how children act? Children's all about who? Me. Me, me, me. Mine, mine, mine. No, no, no. It's all about me. The more that going to church is about us, the more childish we are. Have you ever thought about that? The more what I get out of church is about me, the more room there is for perfection in our life. Because you know what? I've come to find Jesus said this. You can't dispute it. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And until you get to that place in Christ-likeness, that church to you is not about what church does for me. And although no matter where we are, sooner or later, we're going to need from the church. We're all recipients of grace that comes through the church's ministry. But the church's ministry is performed through all of us. Coming together as the body. Allowing our gifts to operate. Teachers and healers and faith people who have faith. People who have the gift to encourage. People who have the gift of hospitality to make you feel welcome. All these gifts operating on the premises of love. And that makes the church a great place to be and be part of. That's what he's talking about there. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face I know in part. But when I shall know, just as I also am known. And look at what he says. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these, Paul said, is love. He said, this is the greater way. I show you a more excellent way. He said, yes. He said, desire the best gifts. But I'm showing you a better way. Whatever you do, whatever he gives you, always walk in love. Always exercise. Look at what he says in verse 14, chapter 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. You know, out of all the gifts, Paul did say to especially pray that you may prophesy. Prophecy, in the sense that he's writing here, is not just preaching, but today it would be preaching. But it would be being able to take the word of God and have the gift to get a word from God and present a message to the people of God that would preach and teach and help them to receive instruction from God. Amen. I don't know about you. Out of everything that happens to me at church, I love singing praise. I love praising Jesus. I love fellowship. I love people that hug. Amen. And people that say, I'm glad to see you. And that smiling face when they see you and they come up to you. How you doing? Fellowship's good. Praising and worshiping. Now, of course, that's the chief reason we are here for God. But I'm going to tell you what I love to happen to me more than anything at church. When the prophetic word speaks to me. When I said that preacher had my number. Man, he'd been looking in my house. I believe he was following me this week. That ain't the preacher getting in your business. That's God getting in your business. Speaking to you. And that's what you need more than anything else. Prophecy is so important. Paul said, if you go read in chapter 14, I'd rather speak ten words 
of prophecy than a thousand words in a tongue that no one can understand. And guys, the gifts are all important, but none of them are worth a hill of beans if we're not filled with love. Love is the greatest thing we need. And you know what? As long as we keep loving Jesus and loving one another, we're going to keep seeing God do what he's doing. He's going to keep blessing. He's going to keep adding. But just think, with the love we have and that foundation that Christ has put in here of his love in our hearts, just think as we desire to have the best gifts and we find out what they are. If you can have the love, why not have the gift too? Amen? I don't know about you, but I learned a long time ago. I want all that God wants to give me. Amen? And friends, I want to talk to you about the gifts. I don't have time tonight to break them all down, but I'm going to give them to you in the way that where I want you, if you want to take a spiritual test, would find them broke down. And they are biblically, and I'm going to give them to you. How many of you have ever heard of Dr. Elmer Towns? Elmer Towns is the co-founder of Liberty University. Him and Jerry Falwell found that liberty together Found Liberty University together back in 1972, and he is the vice president of Liberty now. He was, for a long time, one of the main professors that taught there. He's getting up there in age. How old did you tell me he is now? He's in his 90s. But Elmer Towns has, in my opinion, one of the best spiritual gift tests. And he breaks down the spiritual gifts to three types of gifts. And what I like about Elmer Towns' breakdown is he doesn't leave any out. And he characterizes them in three types. The miraculous gifts. You have the gifts of the miracles. Then you have the enabling gifts. The gifts that empower. And then you have the task-oriented gifts. So I'm going to give you right quick what they are. The miraculous gifts are the gift of tongues and interpretation and the gifts of healing. And those are gifts. Now you may not believe this, but there are people that God still uses to heal through. Now, it's biblical. They don't have the power to heal, but God's given them the faith and through their walk with Him. They got to be walking a Holy Spirit filled life that ain't full of sin, and they got to be walking with Christ, and they got to have the discernment. So, a lot of the gifts are working together discernment and knowledge and wisdom. And of course, they got to be walking in righteousness. But there are people, my friend, that if you got sick, you would be much better having them pray for you by themselves than a hundred regular Baptists that don't walk with God. <laughs> so they are out there if you know who they are. And if I ever need somebody to pray, Lord forbid, I got certain people I'm calling, amen? Because I know they can pray. I know there are people that God uses. That's a gift God gave. There's gifts of enabling. And I believe the enabling gifts, as also does Elmer Towns, if you go on the website I'm going to give you, he's got some really good stuff you can read about them. But the enabling gifts are probably to some degree given to all of us. The enabling gifts are the gift of discernment, the gift of faith, the gift of knowledge, and the gift of wisdom. Now, if you think about this, if you are saved, you got faith or you, didn't, you wouldn't be saved. Amen. Now, you might only have the faith of a mustard seed to believe Jesus died for you. And that his blood can forgive you and cleanse you, but you got enough faith to get saved. But guys, I want to tell you something. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I don't know how that faith got me saved because it's a lot different than it is now, amen? As we walk with Christ and we follow him and we trust him and we read the word of God and we hear the promises that he's given us of what he'll do for us and what he can, he's capable of. 
and we trust him. Faith can grow, amen? And that gift is, we all got a degree of faith. But listen to this, knowledge. I don't know about y'all, but when I first got saved, I preached a lot of sermons I shouldn't have preached. I had it mixed up, Miss Linda. I looked back down and said, that was blasphemy. That was heresy. I don't believe that anymore. But God knew it was in love and it was in ignorance. Now, to preach it knowing it's wrong is different. But as we grow, our knowledge increases. Listen, as we apply the knowledge of God and we walk by faith, guess what else increases? Wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the understanding of how to use knowledge and how to believe faith. And so guess what else? The end result of walking by faith, believing God, trusting His Word, growing in knowledge, studying the Word, letting the Word bury deep in your heart so you don't sin against God and you walk with God and it's that wisdom and how you apply truth and how you walk in faith creates wisdom. Guess what you get? Discernment. You can discern what's right and wrong. And I'm not talking about I can discern a person. I'm not about judging people. That's what everybody thinks. Discernment is how I can tell if a person's right or not. He ain't right with God. I, I got discernment. No, you got judgment. You need, to get, you need to repent. Now, sometimes they are doing things that God gives you the discernment to know what they're doing is bad. Amen? But you can't walk up to a pearl stranger and talk to him in five minutes and say, he ain't right. Anybody like that? That person ain't right. <laughs> discernment, though, is a gift to be able to walk in wisdom and knowledge by faith. And friends, that's a gift that God's working. But guess what? These task-oriented gifts, that's the third set gift set that he gives. These are given to individuals perfectly in accordance to what the Spirit sees fit. Number one is the gift of evangelism. Have you ever met somebody that's a, some preachers, I call them, they're, 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 they're fishermen. I mean, they know how to draw the net. You ever met a net preacher? Brother Dennis is, a, is a, an evangelistic preacher. Brother Dennis, man, I'm going to tell you what, if a lost person goes to that church, he might as well hang it up. He's fixing to get saved. Because <laughs> Brother Dennis knows how to draw the net. He's a gifted evangelist. And I'm telling you, he's got the gift of evangelism. I, I look at it, and I'm so thankful to see it being manifested so close in our presence. And when I got somebody that I can't see them to get saved, I'm going to drag them up to the cowboy church with me, amen, thinking, boy, they, they get in there, they're they in trouble. So I'm telling you, some people's got the gift. The gift of prophecy. That in that day was different. It was people, they didn't have the written word of God yet. So God was speaking through them before they had the written word. But now we do have the written word. But the gift of prophecy today is more of the person who can take that word and pull stuff out of it that most people will never see and show it to you that it's, trip, it's, it's truth. The gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation. These are spiritual gifts. The gift of pastoring or shepherding. God only gives certain people the gift of pastoring or shepherding. He gives certain people the gift of exhortation. He gives certain people the gift of teaching. He gives some evangelism. But listen to this. Mercy, believe it or not, we're all supposed to be merciful. We're all supposed to show mercy because we need mercy. But guess what? Mercy is a spiritual gift. Have you ever noticed some people are so merciful it makes you mad? It's so stinking nice. Man, you can do them wrong and they'll say, Mercy. And you'll be feeling guilty because you couldn't have said that about them. And they'll say, I forgive you. I love you. Man, ain't them people there. My, my wife's one of them. Don't tell her I said that. If I didn't have a wife that was full of mercy, I'd be divorced. Serving. Serving. We all supposed to serve. 
But some people, man, they just get excited about serving. Give me something to do. Make me sweat for Jesus and I'm ready to go. Amen. I want to work. I want a task. That's a gift that he puts in the heart of certain people. Giving. We're all supposed to give. We're going to talk about that next week. We're all supposed to honor God with our increase. Everybody ought to be given the tithe. But there's some people that I've met that said, God's blessed me so much, I don't just tithe. I give 30% because God's been so good. Most people like that don't brag. I even read about a man that God blessed him so much that he lived on 10% and gave 90%. And he said, I never went without. Now that man had the gift of giving, amen? And friends, listen, we don't all have that gift. It's hard for someone to give. In fact, it's harder for others to give. Some can't give because they don't have the faith. They don't have the the. The, the maturity, the wisdom yet to see the benefit of it. But there's some people, they just naturally give. They'll give the shirt off their back. They read that, Jesus said. Remember what he said about love? If they want one shirt, give them your coat too. He says, if they ask you to go one mile, go another. Always give extra. There's some people that they just give naturally. They get joy out of it. And then the gift of administration these are the people who know how to organize and manage, and they have the gift of administration. All of these are the gifts that's listed in these Elmer Towns um, survey. The miraculous gift, tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing, the enabling gifts, discernment, faith, knowledge, and wisdom, and the task-oriented gifts of evangelism, prophecy, teaching, exhortation, pastoring, shepherding, Mercy, serving, giving, administration. Now, there are, could be more gifts. This is not, by any means, the only ones. But these are the main ones. And I want you to think about this if you go to take this test. And you can find this test by clicking on Dr. Elmer Towns' Spiritual Gifts Test. That's Elmer Towns, E-L-E-M-E-R-T-O-W-N-S. That's easy. That's why I didn't worry about putting it up. Elmer Towns Spiritual Gift Test. Now, when you put that on there, there's going to come up a lot of gift tests. Now, you can take them as many as you want, but I'm going to tell you this. He tells you this way. He gives you the question, and then it's got in the middle, and then you got rarely, never, and then you got a lot of times, a whole lot of times or something like this. And what he says is, how often does this occur in your life? Now, here's the temptation. Most of you have been Baptist and been in church long enough, you know the right answer. You know what you ought to answer. <laughs> now, if you just answer what you ought to answer, man, we're going to need to put you in charge. But if you're honest and say, I enjoy sharing the gospel with people I've never seen before. Now, everybody knows you ought to enjoy that. But that's not what he's going to ask you. How often does this happen in your life? You put that down. Because guess what? If that's your gift, you're going to be telling people. <laughs> you ain't got to be guilted into it. He's going to ask you stuff like, I just love to help people and write checks to people who are in need. Everybody knows, boy, that's, that's a spiritual thing. That's a commendable thing. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to put it that way over here to the right. But when's the last time you wrote a check for a total stranger and helped him? So you might not better do it that way. Pray. Say, God, let me answer correctly, and you'll get a correct evaluation of where you are. 
Because guess what? Some of our gifts may not be noticeable right now because you're not living and practicing them. But you know what I've come to find? My gifts have changed. My dominant gift used to be prophecy. You know what my dominant gift now is? Teaching. Everybody told me when I first started, you ain't a teacher, you're a preacher. You ain't even a pastor, you're an evangelist. You don't preach like any pastor I've ever met. You preach like an evangelist. You know what I like to say? Because mostly only evangelists will come and tell you like it is and not worry about it because they get to leave. But I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going to preach it the way it is and then they can sort it out and deal with it. <laughs> and then if they don't like me, then they can make me leave. I'm playing. But you know what? That's not what makes you an evangelist. Evangelist is somebody who is a soul winning preacher. Someone who, who, who consistently draws that net. But there's someone yet that God needs that needs that gift. And certainly every pastor should be able to evangelize to a degree. But pastors also need to be able to teach. Because it's in the church where you're going to be taught and discipled. And you're going to be taught. But guess what? You also have to be a pastor shepherd. My three gifts when I look at them every time I ever take it. My three gifts is teaching, prophecy, and shepherding. That's always my three. You know what? I'm real low on the mercy. <laughs> It's going to show you a percentage of every one of these gifts. And you're going to go, I'm not real high on the giving. And I tithe. But I was honest. Because a lot of those giving questions, I knew what I ought to put down, Brother Witt. But I put down what I really do. And so I wasn't as far along in the giving as I hope to be. So I'm going to start practicing giving a little better. So it's going to not just help you with your dominant gifts to show you what your three main gift set is. It's going to show you where you are in all of these areas. And I don't know about y'all, aren't you glad to be evaluated, to let the Holy Spirit work in your life? So it's a valuable thing to do. And you don't have to tell anybody unless you want to, but you can allow this to be a starting place to where you serve. If you've got the gift of hospitality or you've got the gift of serving, then getting on a committee where the ladies if you're, or the men's ministry where you can work and help. We're going to have a meeting tomorrow night at 6. We're going to eat fish. And if you're there at 601, you're going to miss the blessing. But we're going to gather. And, you know, men have to clean up. Men have to, we ain't good at it, but we do have to clean up after ourselves to keep the ladies from not getting mad at us. But, so we need men to help do all that. But there's something for everybody to do. So find what your gift is and then go find where you can do it and practice it. And guess what? If you find your gift, you're going to find your place of ministry, and you're going to find that the activities you're giving to God are going to bear fruit. Other people are going to recognize it, and it's going to help the body to be a better church. Amen? So anyway, I just wanted to share this with you. And I don't know about you. Isn't it exciting to know that God gave us abilities? He's not going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give us the ability to do it. And so anyway, as we prepare to, to close tonight, Maybe you might want to come to the altar and say, God, I'm coming tonight. I'm coming to seek and ask you to help me to know my gift. Maybe tonight God's got something. I don't know. Maybe you need to get saved because I guess what? God could save you tonight even since I preached on this because guess what? If you need Jesus, just come up here and we'll take time to tell you that Jesus died for you because listen, all of this means nothing if you're not saved. So get saved. But those of us who maybe aren't where God wants them to be tonight as we stand, my plea to you would be do what God's telling you to do and let God lead your life and the rest of it to take care of itself. So let's pray. What are we going to sing, Brother Jonathan? Only trust him. That's a good one. Let's pray. Father, we come to trust you tonight.
We've heard from your word. We've heard stuff that you don't hear all the time. Good stuff, Lord, of the grace of God and the provision that it's made into our lives individually for the benefit of the whole. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you that you have brought each person here and strategically placed them to where we can be a part of the great work you're doing here at Bethany. So, Lord, as we gather tonight, lead each one of us together. Help us to find our place. And, Lord, I thank you for everyone gathered here tonight. Whatever decisions we need to make, Lord, lead us by your Spirit, and we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.